This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you have a question about recent financial news or a question about your own personal finances? Well, today is a great day to contact us. It is an open topic day. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy, and happy holidays. Uh, What's in the news that you'd like to share? Oh, good morning, Kevin. Well, as you heard at the top of the hour, um, COVID, it just sucking the oxygen out of the room. And um, ever since word came out of this new variant, investors have been just bouncing around. We've seen a lot of volatility in the market. What's interesting is that we don't quite know how quickly this will go or how it will affect our behavior. I know in my household, we are all vaccinated. We're going to be careful, but we're still planning to travel and uh, go to some events and have some gatherings. So we're not sure how this will all filter out. But even in the midst of all of this, we're starting to hear some really good news from companies about their earnings and their sales. So we're just waiting to see. And I am just hopeful for a new year where we don't talk about COVID. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one, but I, I'm, I I'm with you yeah. that uh, that would be a certainly very nice, a, a nice uh, holiday uh, gift for, for all of us. Uh, So, Ryder, good morning. Uh, What's on your mind, financially speaking, today? Good morning, Kevin. I just want to follow up without mentioning the C word, more broadly what's happened in the markets, kind of wrapping up the year end. It's... The S&P 500 is up just over 20%, but it's really been interesting to see where has that performance come from. A lot of times we split that and we talk about value and growth, or not necessarily I, I don't love talking about it in that way, but some people talk about value stocks and growth stocks, stocks that are maybe high priced. We talked about multiples, high multiples uh, last week, and and they're expected to grow more, or companies that are just trading cheaper and may, may pay out higher dividends or something, and how those compare, because they, they sometimes a- a behave differently. For the year, both of those categories are, are they're both up about 20%, so, so kind of evenly matched there. But when you look at where did that come from in the beginning of the year, the growth companies, which had done fantastic in 2020, they held back a little bit. And they've simply caught up with the value stocks, which performed pretty well in the beginning of the year. We also like to talk about small cap versus large cap. So the smaller U.S. companies, the less recognizable, but still publicly traded companies. And those started the year off so strong. They were up almost 20% in early in the year, but they finished only about 10% up. And and I know that it's a little weird to say uh, only 10% because that's a fantastic year. That's that's kind of at or above what we might expect as a long run average. It's a very good return, but it just pales in comparison to the S&P 500. I keep saying, if I had known at the beginning of the year what the S&P 500 would do, if I had known 10 years ago what the S&P 500 would do over this time period, uh, we, we would have all been much, much more wealthy. 
And then lastly, two things, foreign stocks, they, they started kind of on par with the U.S., finished weaker at about 5%, a little bit disappointing there. So again, the pattern of returns is not the same for everybody. And then everyone wants to know about Bitcoin. And yes, I can confirm for you that it was extraordinarily volatile this year. It is up about 60, 65% for the year so far. Crazy good returns, but has, has gone from $30,000 to $60,000 twice this year. It's made that, that up and down and up and down trip twice. So great returns this year, but you certainly paid for those returns by being anxious all the time about what was going on in that account. Um, based on some of the ads on TV I've seen, my prediction, I guess you might say, would be that uh, I think there are going to be a lot of people that get into the whole cryptocurrency thing and don't really quite understand what it is or how it works. It's uh, interesting the amount of ads on yes. TV that you've seen, you know, join the future and all this sort of thing. Uh, that is very interesting. Just a few years ago, the ads were all about gold. Remember that? <laughs> That's true. So I got We're looking for something. I got a text message the other day that said, "Hey, this is your credit card, and you know we think this is a fraudulent uh, transaction." And I understand that might be one of the ways they need to communicate to you, but I was leery of it. But anyway, so I went to the website itself, logged in, and, it, and, and indeed there was, uh, I think it was an $1,800 charge for tickets in New York City somewhere. But wow. uh, the fraud yeah. alert was there, and so I said, no, that's not. And, you know, the, the card's been canceled and going to get a new one, that sort of thing. Uh, Nancy, do we know how the credit card companies determine that when they think something is a, is a fraudulent uh, charge? and to send me that message? Well, um, certainly when I put a plane ticket on my credit card, then they know I have gone somewhere. They know where I have gone. And uh, so basically they're looking at what are our usual spending habits, where do we usually spend, and if there's something unusual, then that creates a red flag. And, of course, it's in their interest to immediately stop that and reject those charges. Um, and um, we're seeing more and more of that problem with credit card numbers being taken, identities being stolen, because we are shopping more online, we're using those cards more, so you really need to be careful. I have an alert on my phone for every single charge that comes through my credit card. So as soon as I gas up at the gas pump, I get a little ding, and I know that that's me doing that. And so I would advise people to watch that and be very careful because what many of these hackers will do, you know, you had a big charge, 1800 That's a huge thing. But often they will start with small amounts that you don't even pay attention to, you know, a few dollars here and a few dollars there. And they watch to see if you are watching before they hit it for the big one. Yeah, it was, so, so it was, like I said, a, a ticket purchase in New York City, and I'm wondering if maybe I was uh, have missed out on a big Broadway show, but oh well. You, know, you could have, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Nancy, in the news, the pause on student loan repayments initially put in place under former President Trump and twice extended by President Biden is set to expire on January 31st. What suggestions would you have for student loan borrowers? Well, the one thing you should not do is just, you know, cover your eyes and ears and pretend it's not going to happen. It is going to happen. So if you are not paying because of this um, moratorium, you need to contact your lender and find out, okay, exactly when is my next payment due? What are my options? For some people who might still be struggling, 
ask about a deferment. So a deferment can be allowed for certain time periods and certain amounts of deferments depending on the lender and see if that's a possibility for you. Uh, just make sure you understand what the arrangement is and when you have to, to start again those payments. And Ryder, the last of the child tax credit from the American Rescue Plan were sent out last week. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Ryder? All right. Uh, Nancy, why don't you field that one? Well, this has been a huge success um, with this program that allowed for payments per child in a family. And we're limited to... I'm sorry. Let, let him go ahead. He must have... The, the wonders of Skype here. I'm sorry. Um, go, go ahead, Ryder. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Y'all are going in and out to me, so I'm not sure what I'm doing to y'all. Uh, take a stab at it, Ryder. Okay. So those were monthly payments which began this past summer. They were limited to just 2021, and they were incredibly important in reducing childhood poverty. So this is an expansion of the regular tax credit, which was about $2,000 a year, which had been expanded only a few years before. And this was designed, this was as an advance tax credit. So there's two things there. It was it was a tax credit, which just means if you qualify, you get that money. It's, it's not a deduction that lowers your taxes for, in, lowers your income for tax purposes, but it was a credit. It was, you qualify, i.e. you have the kids, you get the money when you do your taxes. But the special thing here was it was paid in advance. So this was not something that you had to wait until April 15th the next year for. This was something the IRS went ahead and started sending out. And so that meant that it was dispersed before people filed for it. So maybe a few people got it who, who didn't actually qualify. Maybe a few people who qualified never actually got theirs. But for the most part, this was a system we worked out really well in 2020 and so it seemed to work pretty good and so it's a little disappointing that that is over because again especially for for mississippians we're a state with very high child poverty this did a went a great way to reducing that poverty uh helping make sure that the children had what they needed <laughs> food <laughs> shelter clothing etc but we'll see what happens if that ever gets revived if you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. It is an open topic show today with a few end-of-the-year tips thrown in. What are the Christmas shipping deadlines? We've got that information for you next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed 
and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is MPB Think Radio, and you are listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app. Then you get to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. UPS, FedEx, and USPS, the United States Postal Service, all offer next-day shipping, so you need to get your packages to them by Thursday, the 23rd, for delivery on Christmas Eve. It is an open topic show, and we have a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Daniel calling in from Pascagoula. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Oh, happy holiday. I, I just want to thank y'all for having this program, a multicultural, as a Mississippi family working together to solve our problems. My my question is, um, unfortunately, you know, I've been sick off and on this whole 2021 and part of 2020, but um, uh, I didn't get a chance to file my 2020 taxes, so I need to find out if I'm still good for the family thousand dollar credit and i'm a lift driver and i was and uh i had unemployment during the time of the 2020 am i still credit uh still eligible for the ten thousand dollar credit and will it be in this 2021 also uh Ryder, do you want to take that one I'm not sure. Were you referring to the 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 child tax credits that we were just talking to? No, um, the one um, you know when you file your taxes, they had it where you uh, can claim ten thousand. They raise it to ten thousand dollars. You can claim as uh, your. Uh, uh, I think that's you know how the allowance. The allowance. The the, the, I mean? the standard deduction is now. Oh, yeah. It was it was raised to twelve thousand a couple years ago. I believe it might be closer to thirteen now. And so everybody okay. is entitled to that as long as you are uh, filing taxes. Um, you, your I dependent think, children I, don't get that. But um, I think he's referring to the allowance for unemployment benefits. That up to that right. thousand is not taxable income. Ah. So I do think that still applies because it is for that year. I believe that was just 2020. I don't think that went over right. to 2021. Okay. And so that's in, so it has it, you said it hasn't went over to 2021 yet? I don't think so because that was part of the okay. CARES Act to allow for that. Now, I'm not sure. We'll have to check on that uh, hmm. to see if that existed after that year. 
But if you're talking okay. about having not having filed your 2020 taxes, you would still be able to claim anything that was available in 2020 on those 2020 taxes. You you okay. just you just need to do those taxes. Okay. All right. That's what I need to know. Hey, but I want to thank y'all because we we need more and more people to listen to this station and this money talk because it makes such a difference. And what y'all talk about is not really taught in the high schools and colleges now. So I want to thank y'all for keep doing it, and I will be donating for y'all for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel, for the kind words and the phone call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, an open topic show. So if you have a personal finance question uh, that you need answered, you can give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Reach us by calling one 672 7464 you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org got another caller on the line this time it's francis who's called in from the road good morning you're on the air with us go ahead yes uh, i'm receiving medicare and i just had a, a costly surgery and uh, medicare denied the claim because they said that uh i had an open claim from 2015 and the insurance company that was involved, uh, working with cop, they can't find the claim. What do I do? Oh, wow, this is a tough one. Um, and if you're talking about uh, workman's comp, if that's involved, you actually may need to visit with an attorney. Um, and they're going to have to go back and find some records and recreate this because, you know, now you're talking six years ago that this happened. Yeah. Uh, to get this sorted out. Um, but I would suggest maybe talking with an attorney who is well-versed in workman's comp and because that sounds like that's what that went through. Okay, I, I called workman's comp uh, in Mississippi, and uh, I gave them my social, and they looked at, uh, you know, any open claims, they would see it on their computer. But they don't see <laughs> they it? Didn't, they didn't see it. So one thing you can do, uh, as you said, that Medicare denied the claim because you had an open claim, get them to, if they will provide you any documentation they have that you can take back to workers' comp, uh, make sure that you have any documentation that workers' comp has. Just make sure you are seeing what both of both of those two parties are seeing. Also, this is a good reminder uh, for, for folks who might fall in a situation like this, you may end up, we talked about when you can safely get rid of paperwork, you you may need to hang on to copies of paperwork for a little longer than you might may have thought. Yeah. What type of lawyer would you recommend? Um, again, you want somebody who understands the workman's comp situation and has gotcha. uh, dealt with claims like that before. Gotcha. Okay. There are specialists out there. Thank you, ma'am. So in the news, the Federal Reserve said last week that interest rates will stay near zero for now. Uh, Nancy, do you think that will be the case in 2022 as well? Oh, boy. This um, opened a conversation at the office a few days ago about the dot plot. So the dot plot is produced by the Federal Reserve, and um, it is a graph, and it has on the x-axis the, the years or the quarters and then the years expanding out, and on the y-axis it's the interest rate. 
And so they ask their members who are economists, they're certainly educated people, but they're asking them to guess, their educated guesses, about what the interest rate will be going forward. And so this goes over a few years. And every guess on that plot is a dot. And you can look up the Federal Reserve dot plot online. And the places where you have the most dots, then we think, okay, most people think that's where it's going to be. What we're seeing right now, and of course what came out with the latest dot plot, is that we are expecting about three interest rate increases next year. And what they're guessing is something called the federal funds rate. And the federal funds rate is not set by the Federal Reserve, but they monitor it. It is a very short-term rate. It's the rate that banks have between each other when they borrow money from each other. Why is that important? Because pretty much every other rate is set off of that in our economy. So if that Fed funds rate goes up, then you know we're going to see mortgage rates go up. We're going to see car loan rates go up, uh, student loans, credit card rates, everything. Of course, we'll also see CD rates. And for those people who have been complaining about those very low CD rates and low savings rates, this may be a plus for you. What we're seeing from that dot plot, despite all of this talk about very high inflation, you know, in the close to 7% range with the latest numbers, is that we're seeing that those short-term rates are still going to be very low. Even a couple of years out will probably only be around 2%, even though they're about zero right now. So that rise will be gradual. We're seeing possibly an increase of about 1%. Will that translate directly? We're not sure. Uh, 30-year mortgage rates are sitting at about three and a quarter percent right now. A year from now, will they be at four and a quarter? Um, Probably somewhere in that range. Expect rates to go up. But, you know, for those of us who remember the 80s with mortgage rates in the 15 percent range, we're not seeing that. And that dot plot does not reflect hyperinflation that we're hearing about in the news. And uh, we're just going to see if they're right. Again, these are educated guesses. We've got a caller on the line. Timothy's calling in from Memphis with a tax question. Good morning, Timothy. Go ahead. Uh, Good morning, sir. Can you hear me okay? Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I have a question about uh, my wife and daughter. They have, uh, they're from the Philippines originally and been here since 2015. And we just now got our uh, social security numbers for them this past year. So my question is, am I able to claim them for the uh, tax, child tax credit now? Because we, we have been working off as a ICN number. Um, how old is that stepdaughter? That, that uh, she is now 15. 15, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. It's possible you could if they qualify as a dependent, and I think you just need to visit with your tax preparer. Um, if you've already, let's see. Yeah, you I, should it, be able to it, claim a 15-year-old as as long as she's you're being claiming her as your dependent child. That should be fine. And since you haven't been receiving the tax credit so far this year, like I said at the top of the show, you'll just claim that when you do your taxes. Okay. Um, yeah, because we haven't we haven't received any 
of the uh, stimulus payments or or anything. Mm -hmm. So okay, so just uh, right. You wouldn't have received those if you had not been uh, filing with her as your dependent child before. They would not have known that was her status, so you would not have been in the system, so to speak. But he still well, qualified and be able to, when he files taxes, uh, get that as a lump sum versus being paid out over a period of months. Uh, Roger that. I, I guess I'm asking, can I go back in time? Because, uh, I mean, I think uh, the stimulus started back in what, 2018 or 19, something like that? No, uh, there was there was a higher tax credit starting in mm, 2017 or 2018. That's correct. When it it I forget what it was before, but they bumped it up to about 2,000 per child, and that had a lot of limitations on it beforehand. The the expanded tax credit this year, this, the, the particularly special thing about it, not only was it a little higher for young children, but was that it was paid out on a monthly basis instead of you simply having to wait to April 15th. The option to wait until April 15th is still there. And that's Roger what you will be doing. Roger that, thank you so much. And uh, I, I'm, I've got a city tax preparer because the students' payments checks themselves, we didn't get. My wife or I or none of us, we didn't get any of them. So, so those as well, you may, if you, did you, have you filed your 2020 taxes? Yes, we've been, we filed, we filed as a family since 2015 here in the States. And before that, we were, uh, we were military, so we're filing from overseas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I believe that you should have been able to claim some of those stimulus payments because, again, those a lot of those were also paid out as advanced tax credits. Now, the the issue was not everyone really and truly qualified for those. I don't know that that would have been your issue. But if you did qualify for it and you had not received it during 2020, then you would have been able to claim it on your taxes when you filed, uh, so this past April, so 2021. That's how that should have worked. I know that was one thing we have received many, many, many calls about why have I not get my, gotten my stimulus payment? Where's my stimulus payment? So I know there were a lot of issues with the actual crediting and delivery of those. Yeah. Well, I can help you out a little bit. I, I can let you know that if, you, uh, if you're filing jointly, in my situation where my wife was a foreign national, uh, if we're filing jointly, it's one of us, only one of us had a Social Security number, we didn't qualify. So with her having the Social Security number now, I'm thinking that we could go back in time and file for the won't be misdialed. Do we know if that's retroactive? Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't. Nancy, Ryder, do you know if, if he can go uh, back like that? You just have to check with your tax preparer because you're talking about maybe having to file amended returns to see if you qualify. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and effort. Thanks, Timothy, Good for luck. your call. 
Today is an open topic show. What are some good buys for January? We'll have that for you next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. According to NerdWallet.com, January typically has discounts on bedding and linens, fitness equipment, and TV and electronics, those just before the Super Bowl. However... Retailers will probably need to move those sales back to February because the Super Bowl rarely takes place in January anymore. Forbes.com recently shared 10 surefire tax tips for the year ending of 2021. So we're going to get our experts' advice on their suggestions. The first one is to fund a 529 education savings account. uh, Ryder, if you would, remind us what that is and what the benefits are. Yes, we're big fans of the 529 accounts. Most, all states operate a 529 account, at least at least one type. In Mississippi, the, the main one we call MAX, Mississippi Affordable College Savings Plan. And you need to make contributions during the tax year. This is not like an IRA where you can kind of look later and, and fund it fund it later. So this is an account set up specifically for the funding of college expenses. It can also be used for K-12 private tuition. And, and the state of Mississippi allows that. Not all states allow that. The money you contribute, you can have it invested, and it grows tax-free, and you pull it out tax-free as long as you use it for educational purposes. So the federal tax benefit is not so much in putting money in. It's that it grows, and you get to take it out tax-free. In Mississippi, you do get a state tax break of $10,000 per taxpayer. So married filing jointly, that's $20,000 for a joint return. And you can fund these for your children, grandchildren. You can fund them for other folks if you want to, if you're just feeling extra generous. And that again, that money is in a special special account designated for education spending. Though there are some ways to get it out otherwise, and there are ways to get it out if, for instance, your child uh, 
gets scholarships and does not actually need to pay full full freight for their college education. You're listening to Bundy Talks on MPB Think Radio, an open topic day. Looks like we have a caller on the line. Calling in from where, Mississippi? Here's Kenya on the line. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. I'm calling to find out if you all can help me understand what a Roth IRA is. Nancy? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, we love Roth IRAs. So an IRA, IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. And um, there are two main types, a traditional IRA where you put money into the account and you get a tax deduction now and it grows. And then once you are retired and you start to take it out, then you pay taxes. So it's tax deferred. You pay taxes later. But a Roth IRA is a little different. You put the money in and you don't get the tax break now. But you never pay taxes on the growth of it. And it's wonderful, especially for younger people who are starting out. If uh, we have a family or a young person who's not in a very high income tax bracket, um, that that tax advantage of a traditional IRA is not as big an advantage for them, then we will point them to the Roth IRA. And uh, you just have to think about what your annual contribution limits are and that total amount, depending on your age, applies to both types of IRAs. So you can split that total amount among a Roth or a traditional or do it all in one or the other. And even if you have an employer plan, a 401k or a 403b, you may still qualify to participate in a Roth IRA. The other big advantage with the Roth is that traditional IRAs have a, a lower total income that before you you are disallowed doing those but a Roth IRA has a higher amount um, and for a couple it's somewhere around 180 190 thousand a year so a lot of people qualify okay okay all right thank you so much Thanks, Kenya, for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're sharing a list from Forbes.com of 10 surefire tax tips for the year ending 2021 and getting uh, Nancy and Ryder's thoughts on some of them. Uh, number two on the list, Nancy says, give to charity. Always a good idea, but what makes it special this year? Yeah, it's the year end, and most of us are thinking charitably, Kevin, and thinking about who we would like to give to. We um, had a problem with charitable giving because a few years ago in the 2017 tax change, they increased the standard deduction. And for most people before that point, you, your charitable deductions were itemized as part of your itemized deductions. But when that standard deduction was increased, and for a couple it's somewhere around 24000 you know, most people don't have enough to go over that amount. And so for the last couple of years, they recognize that a lot of nonprofits are struggling through this pandemic. So they allowed for another entry on a different line item on your tax return to encourage those donations. So if you make a cash donation and make sure you get a receipt on it, for an individual, it's $300. For a married couple, it's $600. And that was last year as well as this year as a way for you to do that, even if you don't itemize. Now, if you do itemize, we still work with a lot of people and we look in their portfolios. We look for appreciated assets we can give away. Um, we also use their required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts once they, once they hit that age. 
and use those for those donations. So you really need to sit down and think about over the whole year, who are you going to give to? What is your charitable budget? And plan so it helps you tax-wise. We're talking things in the news right now. Do you sometimes get caught with an NSF fee? That may change, and we'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Charlie Melton, and I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect, found on all podcasting platforms. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. glad you found our show money talks on mpb think radio kevin farrell here with dr nancy lotridge anderson president of new perspectives and Ryder taft portfolio manager at new perspectives here's a program reminder every tuesday at 10 a.m listen live to in legal terms on mpb think radio immediately following our show so many of the nation's largest banks are cutting overdraft and non-sufficient funds fees for customers in 2022 after lawmakers and regulators have criticized banks for penalizing already cash-strapped customers. Uh, just some reaction on that one. Uh, Nancy, do you think this was a legitimate uh, charge? Do banks really suffer when someone doesn't have enough money in their account to pay for what they're trying to pay for? Well, I think if a bank is suffering for small amounts like that, they might have bigger troubles. Um, and certainly, banks are looking at all kinds of ways of making money, and fees are the way they do that. Um, NSF fees will do that. And they are a penalty, but, you know, that's not really where most of their money comes from. Most of their money comes from uh, basically selling money, loaning it out at a higher rate than what they're paying for it. So remember we talked about those Fed funds rates, those short-term rates where they're borrowing money. Um, if they're close to zero and they're charging us 4 or 5%, they're doing quite well without those fees. Uh, Ryder, do you think a fee like that uh, actually discourages uh, consumers from overspending? No, I, I don't think it does because often you hear about these fees hitting people kind of at inconvenient moments. You know, it, oh, it hit right before my paycheck. It, it they they lined up charges in such a way that it, it made more overdraft fees. I, I I think what it does more is discourage people from opening banks. It discourages uh, bank accounts. It discourages people from interacting with their bank. It, it discourages people from. It, it scares people about their finances. They, they just think, well, the bank is out to get me because it keeps charging me this money. But 
that unfortunately, like Nancy said, they're not a huge part of the bank's profit, but they are steady, and it is just charging five bucks on an account when you know you can float the money. That's that's just that's just money to the bank, and and I think it's a very good thing that we're getting rid of those fees in some way because it just needs to be a little more clear. People need to have a little better expectation. Even if it does cost a little money to have a bank account, we need to know what that cost is instead of it surprising you all the time. And I do think that there's been some uh, on sort of the other side that I think now some banks uh, you can set up um, where you'll get an alert if your balance goes below a certain amount. So I guess that's maybe a small way that uh, financial institutions were trying to help consumers not uh, go into a negative balance on on their accounts. We've been talking about some uh, 10 surefire tax tips for year-end 2021 from Forbes.com and getting Nancy and Ryder to comment on them. Next, we'll go to Nancy with a health savings account. Uh, Remind us what those are and what you need to remember about them. Well, typically health savings accounts are attached to your health insurance, and they are usually used by people who have health insurance policies with very high deductibles, that they're just trying to cover major medical with their insurance, and then they have an amount set aside that they can use for doctor's visits, medications, all kinds of other things. Um, In 2021, you can, as an individual, contribute $3,600 to a health savings account, $7,200 if you are a family, um, with another $1,000 if you're 55 or older. So for some people who really are just concerned about, I need to protect against bigger, major illnesses, then a policy with a high deductible and combining that with a health savings account. So every time you pay that premium, part of it goes to the health insurance uh, coverage and part of it goes into your health savings account until you build up to that amount. And then you're able to use that. Often you have a checkbook or a card, like a debit card of some sort that you can use when you go to the drugstore or to the clinic. Uh, so, rather, there are also flexible spending accounts, which I think is something similar. But um, what do you need to know about the balances? Yes. So, with a flexible spending account, the really important thing to remember is that you must spend the money. It is a use it or lose it situation. Sometimes employers will set these up so that they deposit some small amount. You can maybe elect to have a some amount deposited as part of your health benefit or alternate to something else. But most of the time, most of the money that is going into an FSA, a flexible spending account, is money that you defer off your paycheck. The benefit is you defer it for tax purposes. As long as that's being spent on medical needs, then you're good to go and you don't have to worry about any other complexities, keeping track of medical expenses. That does it for you. However, if you don't spend it, that money, even the money you put in there, may go away. There were some uh, some rule changes where you may be able to keep some of that money, but it's always a good idea to check with your plan specifics. A really important distinction between the health savings account, keep in mind, this is a spending account and the other one is a saving account. So you just need to remember to spend that money. 
Right. I think uh, the program that we have here at MPB, I believe, does offer some uh, um, amount to be brought into the next uh, year. So we're uh, lucky in that regard. And I think it's a good idea when you have one of these to, you know, pay attention to how much money goes from one year to the next. So that way you can uh, get a better idea when it's time. I think we uh, choose ours in, in late fall, but, you know, you'll have a better idea of, of how much you need to be putting away throughout the year uh, to meet your balances. And then again, if you know there's something big coming up, like in my case, try to get a new pair of glasses every couple of years. So I know uh, every other year that I might want to put a little bit more extra money in there uh, mm -hmm. to uh, cover the expenses that I know are going to happen in, in the upcoming year. That's absolutely a good way to do it. I r really encourage people to put it when they, when they know they're having some specific uh, medical expenses, when they know what they're going to have, then that it's a good way to take advantage of the tax benefit. All right, Nancy, next on Forbes.com's uh, 10 Surefire Tax Tips for Year-End 2021 suggests checking tax withholding. Why do you think that's a good idea? Oh, it's huge. You don't want to get hit with a big tax bill. Now, most people don't really pay attention to this until they file their taxes in the new year. And then they'll think, oh, gosh, I owe some money because I had this income that wasn't taxed appropriately. Um, if you're, you're doing some gigs on the side, you're driving an Uber or Lyft, you're delivering meals, all of that is income that you have to declare. And that income that fluctuates from year to year can really throw you off. So make sure that you're holding out enough so you don't have a big surprise bill. On the other hand, there are a lot of people we talk to who love to have a big tax refund. And so they prefer to have a larger withholding so that they get this bigger amount uh, once they file their taxes. And they'll say, well, you know, if I'd had that money in my pocket every month, it would have disappeared, but now I have this lump sum. So whatever you want to do, I don't like for the government to have my savings when I can have it myself. But you also may have had some other changes during the year. You know, did you have another child? If you added a dependent, that, that does affect your withholdings. If you have a dependent that has grown up and now they've flown the coop, that affects your withholdings. So you just need to look at this each year. But I really think the first part of the year when you start to gather your taxes and see what the damage is, that's when you need to, to go back and uh, adjust the withholdings. All right, only got a little bit more than a minute left. And just a quick note to say, uh, Nancy Ryder, happy holidays to you. And again, our thanks here at MPB for your continued uh, service to the people of Mississippi, sharing your expertise when it comes to personal finance matters. So we really do appreciate uh, both of you taking time each Tuesday morning to make Money Talks a reality. So we appreciate that. And let me do this. We got about a minute left again, as I said. Uh, let's share our favorite Christmas songs. I'm really putting you on the spot here. Why don't we start with you, Ryder? What comes to mind when you hear favorite Christmas songs? I just think of the part of the song where it goes, where, where it says, fall on your knees. And when you have like a really good choir or a really strong singer, and I am not going to repeat that for our audience, they can think of that, how that would sound in their head. What is the name? I, I know that song, but I can't come up with the name of it off the top of my head. Liz, do you know? Uh, that's Oh Holy Night. Oh Holy Night. Yeah. There we go. Oh Holy Night. <clears throat> uh, Nancy, what yep. about you? Well, just this morning, uh, I got up early, and my husband was, uh, he had a, a sleepless night, so he was up even earlier. And um, he was strumming his guitar and playing one of my favorites, Silent Night. Ah. And this was before the sunrise, and it was just wonderful. What about you, Liz? I'm always 
moved when I hear the song, Mary, Did You Know? That is not necessarily, I don't know that it's sung in our church, but uh, it's a, a song you hear on the radio. Now, see, I feel bad because those are all sort of the the churchy type songs. My favorite one is it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's the one I've been playing on my smart speaker this week. So anyway, well, Kevin, I thought you I thought you would say grandma got run. Over <laughs> That's a fun one. Hadn't thought about one, but I'll, I'll put that on my list as well, Nancy. So I uh, hope all of our listeners have a great holiday season. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen for the podcast by searching for your favorite, your favorite podcasting app for Money Talks. Today's show was produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.